we're live. Hello again, baseball fans. Welcome back to Ducks on the Pod. I'm your host, Mitch Gatsky, joined by my new co-host, Evan Skilleter. My old co-host, actually. It's good to be reunited. Ev, how are you? Yeah, doing well, man. It is good to be reunited. I think the last show we did together was a football show, which I think we can both admit maybe we're not as well-versed in, in the pigskin as we are in the uh, in, in baseball. So I'm excited to actually talk about some stuff that we're uh, both very familiar with baseball has always been my favorite i love football but baseball's just got to be my favorite hands down it's like all all throughout the summer you just tune in every day and you get to check in on your favorite teams your favorite players um, unfortunately for me my favorite team and my favorite players are not doing so well this year i know you wanted to start off talking just a little bit about what we've been watching this season as you know we're kind of just catching on in the tail end here what have you been watching this season um well obviously the pennant race right now between the indians and twins has been pretty intriguing uh, especially the indians and the way they've been uh, the way they've been playing lately i actually have the tribe game on right now and jordan luplo just hit his 11th home run of the season do you know who jordan luplo is absolutely not that's why the indians have been so intriguing man is they they've got players on their team that you know before this season you're just kind of like who who is this and they've been performing like jordan luplo has been good um you know we've got some young outfielders greg allen tyler naquin both have been playing pretty well um and just uh, oscar marcado's come on the scene it's just the indians have been a fun team to watch and then uh past that you know i've been watching the twins a little bit just to to keep up with what's going on. I know they're up right now. We're a game back, so we'll probably end the day. Um, probably end the day tied. Or, sorry, still one game back. Outside of that, though, I mean, uh, I've taken a real keen interest in some young players, prospects. I've uh, been kind of following the minor league ranks uh, a little bit. Uh, actually had a chance to see uh, – I was down in Tennessee, and I saw a Tennessee Smokies game. They played the, the Mobile Bay Bears, which is the A's affiliate. And the A's have one of the top three prospects, Joe Adele. I uh, got to see him play. It was a terrible performance for him, but um, you know he's supposed to be one of the young up-and-comers. And, -comers. and uh, I've been watching a lot of Padres, actually. Uh, obviously, Fernando Tatis has been incredible to watch, just a, a phenomenal talent. That's um, my guy right there. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, I really like Chris Paddock, the pitcher that they have. Yeah, um, young young guy he's, he's real fun to watch uh watching some some braves love what they've been doing with their team in the rebuild a lot of young guys on the team acuna jr um uh, mike soroka has been fun to watch pitch and even dansby swanson who i know has been around a couple years but um just a lot of youth in that team and I've, it's been it's been some fun stuff to watch lately is it fair to say that the youth movement is fully in session in baseball because it, it's like everywhere you look, every team has two, three guys that it's just like, wow, that, there's something special to watch. Yeah, I think so. I think every couple years there is a new team or two that 
has been all for for a while that finally has some young exciting players you know the padres are obviously that they're they might not make the playoffs this year but they're pretty well set for the next couple years with a lot of young talent um you know the braves are the same way and, and even up in toronto you know they've got um it's, it's like the 90s all over again with biggio's son and uh vlad guerrero <laughs> jr up there playing you know it's you know these these teams that aren't very good have the young talent because that's that's how you rebuild and uh, yeah, it's been super fun to watch. Obviously, the Dodgers, who are on one of the TVs to my right, uh, losing six one to the Nationals. Now, um, even they, I mean, they were they've been so successful with with their youth movement. Uh, I think teams see that and and understand the importance. Um, obviously, minor league baseball has been important for baseball forever, but um, in this particular case with, with the Dodgers, it's like wow. You know, obviously, you can you can make some you can make a really good baseball team with young guys if you do it right. Well, I think we're just seeing more so than ever. These guys are getting drafted and flying through the system and making an impact on the big league club at a quicker pace than we've really ever seen. You know, it's it's yeah. There is uh, precaution with a lot of some of the young arms, but. It's not precluding them from coming up in two to three years as opposed to four to five, which used to be the case. You know, you'd hear about these guys that get drafted and then you forget about them and then eventually they come around and it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy's name, sort of, kind of. It's become yeah. a lot easier, I think, to follow these guys' path from college or even high school through the draft and then a year or two, maybe three. Uh, beyond that, if you're not making the majors, chances are you're not going to anymore because the way things are going, it's one, two years, guys are being called up, making a difference. Um, and it's been really fun to watch, you know, the youth yeah. influx in the game, making it a lot more interesting um, than probably it had been in, say, 2008 when a lot of the teams were veteran-laden. And not that they weren't fun, but... Uh, just the youth influx, I think, has really brought a lot of juice back into baseball. Ooh, yeah. bad play there by Jack Peterson. <laughs> That's my guy. Sorry, we both got games on. And yeah. we, we just jumped right into it. We should mention, this is kind of just like a teaser episode, kind of an informal, want to just get back on the mics after quite a bit of time away for me, uh, for Ducks on the Pod here. Um, but eventually, we're going to be jumping into some trade deadline talk, and then uh, kind of let that marinate for you, let you stew over this partial episode, and then we'll get back to it uh, for the home stretch here and really carry it on into the postseason. I know I'm excited. Thank you for helping me breathe some life back into this thing. I know we were talking earlier this week, and it's just been tough for me to dedicate the time to do it on my own, so I really appreciate you coming along for the ride here. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I've been you know, watching so much baseball this year, and not really a, an outlet for for all the things I've been thinking. So I'm glad we could uh, connect and and get this going. Why don't we tell the people how they can get a hold of us? Join in the conversation at Ducks on the Pod on Facebook, Twitter. Um, I think I might have started an Instagram. I'll have to get back to you on that. Uh, Ducks on the Pod at gmail.com. Uh, send us your thoughts, get involved, let us know what you want to talk about, and we'll be happy to oblige. Ev, let's get started. I have a list of five teams that I think are going to be buyers, or I think should be buyers in this year's trade deadline market. 
And then I've got five players that I think are real hot commodities. And they actually, as I went through the list, they all turned out to be pitchers. So we're just going to make our way through this list. I'm not sure what you have prepared um, on your end there, but we can just kind of make our way through and give yeah. our thoughts and on uh, how we think this trade deadline is going to unfold. Yeah, I, I like your uh, I liked your list. So I think we can just go through that and um, you know, kind of branch off each other. Let's start with the Dodgers. In my mind, they are, I mean, in reality, they are top of the NL. And in my mind, they have to capitalize because of it. They've been there for the past couple of years, and we've seen them come up just short. And I think really it's time they have to make sure that they are ready to win a World Series, not just be good enough to get there, get through the National League and see what happens. That's not good enough anymore. This team is good enough to bring home a World Series championship. They've come up just short a couple of times now, and I really think they've just got to make that move. They've got to go all in on this season. We've seen them kind of run away with the division. They can set themselves up here in the past couple, in the last couple of months of the season, and really with a couple of moves, I think they can separate themselves um, and really be the team to beat in the World Series chase. What do you think? Yeah, I'm curious to know what you think. Um, obviously, they they have a what I would call a stacked lineup, top to bottom, for the most part. Um, and you know they they have a ton of young talent that they could probably part with, including some really good young pitchers that they wanted to uh, to strengthen their 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 offense. Obviously, the back end of their bullpen shirt up with with Kenley Jansen. So, um, you know, what what are you thinking as far as the Dodgers go? I mean, they catching wise, Russell Martin. He's a great defensive catcher, not hitting particularly well. Um, you know, I don't know if you look for a, a good hitting hitting catcher at this point to to get the offense going, or, or what are you thinking? Well, see, that is the tough thing with the Dodgers playing the kind of baseball that they are. It's tough to identify those weaknesses in the moves that they could make. The one guy that I think is available, he's on my list of pitchers that I mentioned. I have five guys that I think really should be moved um, here at the deadline. And that's Felipe Vasquez, the closer for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's a nasty left-hander. Um, and when you think about it, it, it might not be a need for the Dodgers, but because um, they do have a couple of lefties that they can bring out of the pen. But pairing Vasquez with Kenley Jansen, would make the Dodgers an extremely difficult team to beat if they're up after six innings, you know, and we've seen their ability to get leads into the sixth and seventh inning with that lights out starting rotation that they have. To me, it's just doubling down on a strength that you've already got that bullpen, just be able to hang your hat on it. Um, and we've seen in the past couple of seasons in the postseason, um, the relievers just, they mean that much more because the games are shorter and their impact is magnified with the, uh, you know, just the structure of the postseason. I think getting Felipe Vasquez would be huge for the Dodgers. Man. Yeah. You're, you're talking to a tribe guy right now. And, and the year we made that world series run was when we traded for Andrew Miller. Uh, it had, we already had a solid closer in Cody Allen. We, we'd come in in the seventh with Brian Shaw and then bring in Andrew Miller to shut it down in the eighth. And, pass it on to, to Cody Allen. And that was huge. I mean, obviously we made it seven games in the, in the world series. So, 
uh, man, that that'd be huge if they can if they can score someone like Vasquez. Um, you know, I'm going to try not to make this an Indian centric podcast, but I, selfishly, I'd like the Indians to go out and get someone <laughs> like Vasquez. Um, yeah, the Dodgers just they don't have a ton of holes. They just have so many assets to trade. And I think that's that's a good shout, Mitch, getting getting a guy like Vasquez, having an eighth inning guy or, or even just bringing Vasquez in in tight situations in the mid innings um, could, could really help. Well, and that's the thing that makes the Dodgers interesting to me. We've mentioned a couple of times now, it's not like they have those needs, but the surplus talent that they have at the minor league level and the fact that they've been so close in the past couple of seasons, to me, that just increases that sense of urgency. They're in a big market. They haven't won in a while. And I, I just think it's time. You got to go all in no matter what the move is. You got to make it and kind of sell your soul. Be willing to, you know, take a take a bad deal basically you know the back end of this might not look so pretty but when you look back on hopefully a world series championship you'll be able to say it was worth it yeah i mean the seventh seventh best farm system in the in major league baseball according to mlb.com uh, i'm sure they they're top five in some lists and um you know like like you said it if they can sure up the back end of the bullpen, they're probably not going to lose uh, a ton of that depth in the farm system. But also, Mitch, I mean, you take a look at the ages of their, you know, we'll call it their presumed starting lineup, their everyday starting lineup. You've got Austin Barnes, or sorry, I guess Russell Martin's there. Their starter at 36 years old, but then Max Muncie, 28 years old, and Ricky Hernandez, he is 28 or sorry, 27, Corey Seager, 25, Justin Turner is an old man at 34, but then Peterson, 27, Verdugo's 23, and Bellinger's 23. Like, they're so young. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, they're, they're an exciting team. And, yeah, they, they add that piece to the bullpen, and, and you definitely have to watch out for them. And it, I don't know. It's We talked about, or I, I mentioned doubling down on a strength they already have. The rotation is already sick, but what if they added somebody like – two more guys on my list and I'm not even sure how available necessarily these guys are, but Zach Wheeler and Marcus Stroman for the Mets and the Blue Jays, they're guys with multiple years left on their contract after this year. And the teams really aren't going anywhere. You know, they're kind of stuck in, in that middle road of do we sell, do we buy, but really we should probably sell. Just go in, make that yeah. move. If you're the Dodgers, make them an offer that they cannot refuse. Go get these guys and make yourself unbeatable. That's what I have to say. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. I, I think if the Dodgers are going to get a starting pitcher, they have to go after someone that has some experience in the playoffs. Because right now, you think about it, you start three guys in the playoffs, maybe four. Uh, Kershaw, Ryu, Maeda, and Bueller. Uh, Bueller is getting knocked around today. But um, those are good pitchers. But a lot of young guys that, you know, maybe not so proven in the playoffs, um, maybe a little shaky. So you talk, talk about a guy like Trevor Bauer, who's made plenty of playoff starts. Um, you know, he, he could make sense if they want to go get pitching um, or starting pitching. Uh, it's just, it, it's tricky when you have so many good pitchers, but you're still worried about the playoffs. The Indians were in that spot recently too, where, um, they didn't have many playoff appearances. Neither. I mean, Corey Kluber didn't even have playoff appearances and, um, you know, it's just, it's kind of scary, but the Dodgers have experience, man. I mean, they, they've got guys around some of those starters that, 
that can help just be clubhouse leaders. And um, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think they need to go out and get starting pitching, but like I said, if they do, got to get some experience. Let's keep it moving. The Dodgers are actually the only NL team I have on my list of five, but a team that I think is in the exact same boat that they're in is the Houston Astros just in the AL. I think they've proven to be clearly the best team this season in their league. And when you're looking at the Astros, when you've got that team, that deep lineup, the same way that we talked about with the Dodgers, you've always got a great shot at coming away with a World Series. I mean, the lineup is stunning, and it will continue to be so. Same with the Dodgers. It's really eerie, the the similarities between the Astros and the Dodgers, because it's another deep, young lineup that you think you know is going to continue to produce. And I think what goes a long way when you're young is confidence. And the best way to give your guys confidence in themselves is to go get them the reinforcements that are needed to make a strong postseason push for another World Series title if you're the Astros. Uh, one of the main drivers between behind the Dodgers making a move this year, I think, would be the fact that they haven't won it. Uh, the Astros obviously do have one under their belt, but they're in the same boat of we recognize that this is a great team that we have. We need to capitalize on it. Let's go do this now. Yeah, man. I've been thinking about the the Astros a lot because I think that they'd be a front runner to go get a guy like Trevor Bauer. And selfishly, I'd like them to trade us uh, Michael Brantley so we can get him back. Uh, <laughs> Brantley Brantley has been been really really good this year. You had your chance with Michael Brantley. I know. I, we'll maybe get to that later. Uh, quite frustrated about that, but um, yeah, the like you said, the Astros are super similar in the fact that that there aren't a lot of holes to fill. Um, obviously, Verlander and, and Garrett Cole are going to be the front end, uh, or the, the the first two starters in the playoffs. But you pick a third guy or even a fourth guy, uh, it can get get a little interesting. You know, you have. Wade Miley's pitching well, you know, he's he, what three, three point low ERA, um, eight wins or so, you know, he, he's a guy, can you rely on him in the playoffs? Probably. Um, but when you're throwing Verlander and, and Cole beside him, I mean, it's almost two, two sure wins. Well, Miley had that big start for the Brewers in the postseason last year. Didn't yeah. He? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That, that one out performance. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and they've got a ton of playoff experience at this point too. You know, they've been through it the last couple of years, and um, you know, it was obvious that the Indians struggled against them last year in the first round because the Astros are just so good at mixing in the their um, or combining good pitching with with great hitting. I mean, that lineup is incredibly scary. And Correa, Carlos Correa has been injured, um, and. Even he's going to return soon if he hasn't yet. I haven't watched an Astros game in a little bit, um, but man, and and Yuli Gurriel starting to play well. He's batting just under three hundred. Um, Altuve is not even batting three hundred, and, and he's always a scary guy. Uh, Brantley, th Michael Brantley is hitting three twenty four for the Astros, <laughs> and every time I look or I see a stat or I see 
him on the TV in a highlight package. I want to cry and or throw up or both. Um, <laughs> it's just it's it's crazy. And then um, yeah, they've got Jordan Alvarez. He's not played a ton. I think he has um, r- right around a hundred plate appearances or so. But I know he's batting close to three hundred. Um, and you know it's just. A crazy lineup, top to bottom. George Springer spent some time on the DL, but he's always a threat, high batting average, high home run output type of guy. So, um, I mean, my goodness, that that honestly, it'd be silly at this point not to think that we're going to see the Astros and Dodgers in the World Series this year. Doesn't it just seem inevitable that that's it's what we're crazy. headed for? It does. Those are two very well built teams um, with with incredible tools. I don't know how they keep getting these old pitchers or these struggling pitchers and turning them around to, to be what they are. Uh, we've always known Justin Verlander is good, but the guy is 36 years old with a 2.86 ERA. And uh, yeah, how many, how many strikeouts? He's got to be close to 200 at this point. Um, it's been really fun to see wild. the second half of his career. It, it really has been yeah. a, a second career for Verlander since getting to Houston. The one thing the Astros don't have is a lefty to bring out of the pen. And Felipe Vasquez, for all the reasons that I mentioned with the Dodgers, fits even more so with the Houston Astros. Um, so, I mean, really, when you look at those two teams with the stockpile of talent that they have in the lower minor leagues, I really think Vasquez is a guy that we're going to see get moved to one of those teams. Um, if you're the Pirates, it's, it's just... I understand you want to hang on to him and there's a lot of value in having him save games for you, but at a certain point you got to cash in on his, his market value. And I don't think it's going to be any higher than it is right now. Yeah, that's fair. I know that, you know, I've been reading a lot of reports and and it definitely seems like Houston's in the mix for a lot of the pitchers that are on the board. Guys like uh, Noah Syndergaard, who evidently talks on him have cooled down recently um, I know last I read they were in on Trevor Bauer. Not sure what Bauer's price tag is at this point. Um, and Zach, I'm sure Zach Wheeler is a, a target of theirs too. So, um, yeah, if if you want to talk, yeah, relievers, and which honestly, if you if you think about it, it's probably the biggest hole that they have, if you can even call it that. So, yeah, um, they are. I'm, I'm sure they are buyers, but they're a team just like the Dodgers. If they hold on. Uh, they they don't buy or sell. They just keep the team they have now. They're still in incredibly good shape to uh, to make a run. Well, and it makes the fact that they're in the market for all of these pitching options. It just makes it even more puzzling over the off season that they couldn't sign Dallas Keuchel to any sort of a deal to get him back in their rotation. Yeah, Dallas Keuchel, and then there was um, oh, who's who's the fella that. Is he pitching for the Rays now that they didn't re-sign? Um, who, oh, God. A heck of a year. Uh, the name's escaping me, which – Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton. It That's it. Um, they, they didn't sign him either, which, yeah, it is strange, but I know Charlie Morton has some, some injury concerns. It sounds like he's not going to be playing uh, many more years, even though he's not a terribly old fella. So, um yeah, it, you're absolutely right. They maybe should have gone a little harder at some free agents. Um, but again, I think they're a comfortable team. You know, they don't, they didn't feel the need then, and and now that the trade deadline's coming up, and maybe the price tag on some of these players is is dropping. Um, why not become buyers and see what you can 
pick up. Another team that I think needs starting pitching badly is the New York Yankees. Uh, CC Smathia, I'm not sure how long he's going to be down, but just saw today he's going to be on the injured list for a little while. And with the Yankees, you're talking about it's New York. Boston won last year. You're up on them this year, and it's been ten years since the Yankees won. So, isn't that wild to think too? Yeah, in ten years, since the Yankees won. The Yankees have won the division. And again, another team. They're so loaded with prospects that you can more than afford to overpay for somebody to kind of paper over some gaps here. Again, the two guys that I'm thinking of off the top of my head: Zach Wheeler, Marcus Stroman. I think you put either one of them in a Yankees uniform. And uh, you're you're looking at a team that's much more confident going into a five game series with the guys that they're going to be able to put on the hill. Yep, I think you're absolutely right. Yankees are, are the same as the the Astros, and that they keep popping up in all these um, different pitching trade rumors. And the last article I read was actually what was it yesterday? Uh, New Jersey New Jersey.com reported that they're pushing hard for Trevor Bauer. And, and again, I think at this point, if you're the Indians and we'll, we'll talk about them in a couple of minutes, but if you're the Indians that, yeah, the price tag on Bauer is high because you don't have to get rid of him right now. Um, so I'm curious what, what that could be, what Bauer could bring back. You know, the Clint Frazier just got sent down to the minors a couple of weeks ago because he, he can't seem to get along with the New York media. Um, he was a guy that, was in the Indian system when we traded for Andrew Miller um, or we traded him for Andrew Miller, excuse me. And, you know, is he a guy that could come over and make an immediate impact? Because that's what Cleveland needs right now. If we're getting rid of Bauer, we're bringing back a guy that can, that can impact us immediately that we have control of for a while. So we'll, we'll have to see, um, you know, they could go after Matthew Boyd, who I don't think you've mentioned yet. Um, you know, Matt, I don't, Go ahead. I don't want to mention Matthew Boyd just because, again, he's he's a guy. I'm not sure he's really going to get traded. He's got years left on his deal, and the Tigers have been kind of wishy-washy. The, the price at this point is just very high, like you say with Bauer, because of the length of that contract and the control that the team still has over him. It, I, the price is just too high. I don't see him getting moved. The guy on the Tigers that I think will be – traded and really should be traded i don't know if you will be um but shane green to me has got to go he's the fifth guy on my list here um or actually did I, well, he's the fourth guy i haven't mentioned the fifth guy yet um yeah. but yeah shane green i think two possible suitors could be the braves and the cardinals uh both have that need for more stability at the back end of the pen but with different urgency behind it and the Braves much more of a comfortable lead in the standings and they just score more runs in general. Uh, but it's a good fit for both the Braves to solidify their playoff spot, the cards to go make sure that they have one. Um, and really if you're Detroit to me, there's just no reason for Shane green to be pitching for you in August. Yeah, I think that's fair. I just know that the Yankees have the farm system to go out and kind of, I would say get out, get whoever they want, uh, and, and I would guess it goes down to the deadline. Um, you know, that's that's how they should operate at this point, with all the assets that they have. 
and you, know, you gotta you gotta start talking about starting pitching pitching if you're the Yankees. Um, I don't think they have a I don't think they have a ton of of reliable guys right now uh, that can get the job done in the playoffs. They don't, and they've just got a ton of injuries. That have, it's it's quite remarkable that they're still at the top of the division with as big a lead over the Red Sox as they have with all of the guys on the injured list. Uh, if you take a look at that list, um, it's it's quite mind blowing the fact that they're experiencing all the success that they have been this season. Um, transitioning over to the AL century, been touching on it all throughout the show, but it. Eventually, we had to come to the discussion of the Twins and the Indians and what's going to happen in the AL Central race. I'll let you start. Yeah, I mean, the Twins need starting pitching. Um, that, that's that's a huge hole for them right now. Um, you know, you can't go into the – you can go into the playoffs with, with Berrios pitching uh, as your, your anchor, but um, Martin Perez has been – he's been okay, but – if you if you look at it, you know Jake Odorizzi, he's got eleven wins. They they play pretty well. They, they seem to offer quite a bit of run support. I don't have the exact stat in front of me, um, but when when Odorizzi, Odorizzi's pitching, it seems like they're really uh, putting some runs across the plate. But you know, everyone else outside of Barrios and um, Odorizzi has over a four ERA. You got Perez with four point three eight, Michael Pineda four point three, and then. Kyle Gibson with a 4.24. Now they've got one of my favorite closers to watch and Taylor Rogers, 28 years old. Um, just a smooth looking lefty. Um, their bullpen isn't, isn't awful, but if they're going to trade, they've got to go after a starting pitcher, maybe even uh, two guys that they can kind of lean on in the playoffs. That sets me up well for the fifth guy on my list here. Because I agree, I think they do need to go get a starting pitcher just to kind of put your mind at ease. Not that those guys that you mentioned aren't good options. You look at those ERAs; they're all they're all pretty good in today's game. To have an ERA just a shade over four, that's pretty good. But uh, wow. they're all righties, and none of them are real big strikeout guys. So to me, you look at a guy like Robbie Ray, and I think he yeah. could really fit a need for the Minnesota Twins. I'm not exactly sure how available he is with his contract having a couple years left on it as well. But the Rays or the Twins and also the Rays, two teams that I think have a glaring need for a starter that they can really rely on. Um, and Ray isn't real. He is an elite, but he's a very good option, uh, particularly in a postseason format when you're looking for somebody who can get you five innings and just keep the base paths kind of clear. Ray can do that with the strikeout. Yeah, I think at this point, the Rays, I mean, I understand they're only a half game behind uh, the, the Red Sox right now, 59 and 48. Red Sox are 59 and 47. But I think the Rays probably shouldn't be big buyers at this point, especially a small market team that, that struggles to pay big bucks to players. I think they need to hang on to their youth. Um, you know, try to make a push, but it, you know, at this point, I don't see them making a run at the wild card. So, um, you know, the the twins, yeah, the, the twins need to go after a guy. Robbie Ray would be a really good fit. Uh, like you said, not sure how available he is. The Diamondbacks at fifty three wins, they could. 
kind they're, they they're kind of sniffing the wild card right now. I, I know that I think it's the Nationals and the Cubs that are the, the two teams in those wild card spots. But then you know the Diamondbacks, the Brewers. Uh, I don't know how the Cardinals are leading the NL Central, but they are. Um, and you got a team like the the Phillies too. So it it would be tough. You probably have to uh, to pay a high price for for Robbie Ray right now. And that's something that I'm noticing across the league. We've mentioned it a couple times now. The price on starting pitchers is really increasing with those added years. And we've seen it play out for the past couple of years. Obviously, it makes sense. The longer you can control a guy under the current contract, the better and the more that you're going to need to fork over in return. But I think we're seeing more so than ever teams be hesitant to move those sort of guys or at least charge a steeper price for it. Um, and I'm curious to see how that shakes out this year when you've got a lot of options, but not really uh, those rentals that we're used to seeing guys that only have a couple months left on their deal. And, you know, a contender is looking to shore up a spot and they just make that move to address an immediate need. That's not something that we're necessarily going to see at this trade deadline. Yeah, and the biggest problem, Mitch, is that it, there are so many teams still contending right now. Teams that are kind of on the fringe that aren't quite sure should we sell, should we hold on to them. The Giants are in that spot. You know, for for a long time, everyone thought Madison Bumgarner was going to be the the, the biggest commodity at the trade deadline. Well, right now, the Giants are seven and three in their last ten, and and. Um, you know, they've been playing really good baseball. And I think any smart person would understand that um, they're probably not going to get a spot, a wild card spot, but they're not really in a spot to give up at this point. Um, so, you know, they're probably not going to sell Bumgarner. And, and, you know, even the Phillies are pitching while well. they have a couple pitchers that are, are, sorry, they're playing while well. they have a couple pitchers that you would think maybe would be hot commodities but they're in the wild card race you look at the american league red Sox and rays they're both not going to be sellers um indians and twins not sellers and then you look all the way down in the al west astros athletics angels rangers all with an outside chance to make a wild card game so they're they're not really sellers although i know the rangers have been shopping around some starting pitching but um yeah it's just there's not a lot of obvious sellers where you know a guy's going to be moved at the deadline you just don't know who's going to get him and what the price tag is um and it's just a, kind of a funky a funky deadline this year two teams that i think are obvious buyers and we're going to shift squarely into the al central now because it's the twins and the indians for me when you look at it the twins they got to take advantage of having gotten this far, right? They yeah. probably didn't expect to be leading the division at this point in the season. They're a small market. The roster is set up well, but things don't always go as you plan. I'm sure Twins fans remember what happened last year when everything just kind of uh -huh. fell off the rails and you weren't sure what was going to happen next. Well, that could be next year, too. So you better enjoy this year if you're the Twins. Um, but again, you're a small market club, so you don't, you can't overpay the way that we've been talking about with the Yankees, the Astros, the Dodgers. You can't stretch yourself too thin. The Twins, they got to thread the needle, but I think they do have to make a move 
to kind of solidify things. We mentioned the starting pitching, a potential um, target for them. I think the Twins got to go make the move uh, to go win this division. Yeah. Um, there, there might be a little bit of bias in this next statement. It's certainly not a hot take. but There might be. No, it, it's not. I mean, the, the Twins, their lineup is not a lineup that you would look at and think, oh, that's that's a reliable lineup. That's a lineup that can carry us uh, to a division title, especially with the Indians playing the way they are. Now, I just watched an inning in which the Indians gave up about six runs or so um, as we've been speaking, uh, which was kind of stinks. We're down 8-5 now, but um, yeah, Indians playing well and the Twins just kind of – coasting along at this point i think they're about five and five in their last 10 indians have made up a ton of ground in the central and i I really do see the tribe blowing past them at at some point i mean they they have they have a good uh starting lineup you know jorge polanco hitting 304 nelson clue nelson cruz excuse me he's got a 980 ops they actually mitch garver their catcher um he's been playing really well hitting the ball well Great name. Um, yeah, not bad. Um, yeah, I mean, just just a, a, an okay lineup. Byron Buxton kind of underperforming at 255, uh, 809 OPS. You've got... I think... Well, can we pump the brakes for a second? Because I think it's time to have the discussion of that just being who Byron Buxton is. Underperformer? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, at a certain point, it's, he's not underperforming. That's maybe just the best he's got. There's nothing wrong with that. He's a freak in the field and he's got stupid speed, but yeah, some guys just, you know, they can't hit 270 and that's fine. That might just yeah. be his game. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, is he, is he the kind of guy that, you keep around for for years and years just because he's fast, kind of like a D Gordon type. You know, he's a, a good fielder, quick base runner, doesn't always get on base, but um, you know, but Buxton's okay. Um, Sano hits the ball hard. Uh, they've got a lot of power hitters too. They've got like a ton of guys with over 15, 15 or more home runs. Mitch Garver, nineteen. CJ Crone, he's on the IL now, but he's got eighteen diggers. Shoop. Uh, Nah, what was he have? 15 home runs, Polanco 15 home runs, Sano 17, Rosario 22, Kepler has 27, Nelson Cruz 26. But you think about that too, you know, the the hard hitters that that strike out a lot, those aren't as effective for you in the playoffs as you'd like, especially when you're going up against some of the best pitching in the major leagues every single day. So again, I, I don't know about the Twins uh, and I I think there are a lot of things that they could go out and buy, but I'm not sure they're in a position to really pay a high price for anyone. Fun little stat that I found today when I was looking around doing some research for the notes for the show here. The Twins lead the majors in slugging percentage at an even 500, and we're recording this um, as teams are playing here on Sunday, July 28th. So the Twins at an even 500. The next closest is the Bo Sox with 476. So that's a healthy lead that they have in terms of slugging percentage. They just beat the ball around and a lot of times out of the yard, just kind of bludgeon teams into submission. And that's why they've gotten away with some of uh, the shaky starting pitching this season. 
Um, but as you mentioned, that might not necessarily play as well in the postseason. Yeah, it, it might not. Um, and I know I know the Indians are, are on your list of teams that are buyers. They um, are. And this might be a little debate that we can have because we started to get into it uh, on the phone a few days ago. Yeah. And I made the argument that, and I still feel the same way, division crowns still do mean something, especially when you're rattling them off one after another the way that the tribe are currently. Um, I for, forgot to check, but it's something like three or four division titles in a row at this point. So yeah. when you consider that and the fact that winning the Central is 100 times better than being stuck in a wildcard game and looking at the wild the AL wildcard race, I think the tribe slash twins are clear favorites, no matter who comes up on the short end of the central stick. So you're still like, so if you're likely to win one or the other, then why not get the much better prize? And I guess that's what I'm stuck on in my mind. I'm all for a rebuild, but you're, you're pulling the plug on a competitive team for, a potential chance to maybe end up in a similar situation to this a few years down the line. I mean, this is what you play for. You got to go play for it. Yeah. So Mitch is, is referencing the fact that I've been back and forth this season on, on what the Indians should do here at the deadline. Should they be sellers? Should they be buyers? Should they stay put? Um, there have been times where I thought, you know, maybe, maybe we should start to sell. Uh, we've got a couple guys that I don't think are going to be around uh for for much longer bowers one of them i don't think we're going to be able i don't think we're going to pay the price um for a new contract for lindor um ramirez might be a guy that sticks around but you know some of those guys uh, not too sure what what they're going to do so why not try to maximize their value right now um that that's been that's been on my mind and i think where i've landed with only a few days to go till the trade deadline is is in a spot where we should hold on to the great talent right now but there are some pieces that we can trade to gain some more young talent um that could also impact us right away and help us make the run to the the central title and maybe a deep run in the playoffs so you look at our roster okay we have our starting pitching is great. We've got a couple guys that are, are injured. Corey Kluber has started to throw a little bit. Carlos Carrasco thinks he's going to pitch again this year. I, I surely hope he does, um, but he's battling leukemia, and, and that's that's yeah. obviously a very serious thing. Um, but, geez, man, look at our starting pitching. You have Trevor Bauer, 349 ERA, Shane Bieber, 344. Uh, all-star game MVP, by the way, 24 years old, under team control for a while. Zach Plesak, another 24-year-old, 310 ERA in, uh, I think, 11 yeah, eleven games started. Uh, Adam Plutko, he's got a 4.83 ERA. And then don't forget about Mike Clevenger with a 3.28 ERA. And we haven't even talked about Corey Kluber or um, Danny Salazar, who's on his way back from, from injury. Uh, we, we've got so much young pitching that, I think we can afford to get rid of a guy like Trevor Bauer, who is 
probably he's vowed he's a weird guy okay if you don't know much about trevor bauer just go to his twitter and and read some of his tweets he's just he's just a strange person and he's vowed to never sign a contract that's more than one year and it just doesn't sound like he's ever going to be tied down to a team and so i don't think we can be confident that he's going to come back and pitch for us uh once his contract's up and so you know why not if you lose trevor bauer you still have three guys that are healthy right now with an ERA under four and then Plutko with that 4.83 ERA to be your fifth starter. Kluber will be back soon and Kluber has struggled a little bit this year, but um, you know, he'll come back. Maybe Danny Salazar will be able to come in and and fill a bullpen role. Um, So if we can get rid of Trevor Bauer, I think that's a good move as long as you get back something good in return right now, the Indians biggest spot, that they need is a middle to eighth inning reliever. And that's where a guy like Felipe Vasquez comes in. Um, and, and, you know, there, there are possibly some other relievers out there that we could go and get from teams that maybe have a surplus um, that are desperate for a starting pitcher. And you've already mentioned a few um, Dodgers, Yankees, Astros, uh, all, all twins that are all teams, excuse me, all twins, all teams that could use starting pitching. Um, the Yankees, from what I've heard, and, and I've already mentioned it, are going hard at Trevor Bauer right now. And, you know, I don't, I don't think they're going to get rid of, um, Aroldis Chapman at this point, but I, I'm sure there's a, a reliever in there somewhere that, that we can get as well as a guy like Clint Frazier, who I'd love to have back. Uh, I think he could make an impact immediately in the outfield. Um, our outfielders right now, not terrible, but I don't know how well we can rely on guys in the, in the playoffs, like um, Tyler Naquin, Oscar Mercados. He's, he's a rookie. He's bad. He's probably one of, he's one of our best hitters, maybe the best at this point outside of Lindor. He's batting 296. Uh, he's got eight home runs, nine stolen bases. He's just a, a great all around player and needs a little grooming in center field, but um, past him, I mean, you know, Jordan Luplo, I just told you he hit a home run earlier, but some of these guys, I just don't know if we can rely on in the playoffs and it'd be nice to have some depth out there going forward. So again, you don't have to trade everyone. You don't have to trade Lindor. Don't get rid of Ramirez, hold on to Santana, even hold on to Kipnis. Who's at batting very well recently. Just give me a few key position players or a few, a few key players in positions where we really need the help relief and, and maybe some depth at outfield. And that's all fine and good, but I just don't think you can sell and buy at the same time. Not, well, not, not in today's game. It's one or the other, like very rarely do you see deals today, especially in season, you know, if if you want to deal Bauer in the off season, that's fine. I could see you being able to sit down with a team, negotiate something where you can, you know, kind of work something out where both teams get an equal return for right now and in the future. But mid season deadline deal with the clock ticking, I think nine times out of ten, you're looking at deals where. One team bites the bullet and clearly makes themselves worse off for right now in exchange for getting better, hopefully better, in the future. 
and the other team obviously increases their chances of winning right now um, at the price of a couple of prospects. I I just don't see how you can trade Trevor Bauer, who you mentioned is weird. Like the book is already out on him. A lot of teams, I'm sure, wouldn't necessarily be interested in picking him up despite how good he is just because of some of the baggage that comes with him. I It, it, it would shock me to see a move like that go down uh, here in July. As I said, you know, offseason, I think maybe you could open the book and work on something like that. But right now, I just can't see it happening. Well, he's only signed through 2019. So he, he's... He, he mentioned he's not going to sign a long-term deal. So why yeah. would a team want to go... Well, he's you know, a rental. I mean, he's a rental at this point, right? I mean, if you are a team that needs starting pitching for, for the rest of this year into the playoffs, it, it, Trevor Bauer's a guy that can, can take you that way. He has... Um, he has experience. You got to keep the drones away from him so he doesn't hurt himself before a, a really big start. But uh, he, yeah. he is, I lost so much respect for him and will never gain it back because of that incident and follow up incidents since. He's just, he's yeah, well, like he, he's a guy that I like to have on our team. Got roughed up today. It, actually, when he, when he's pitching poorly, he pitches really, really poorly. But when he's on, he's very, very good. And I think he's very good more than he is really bad. There's no in-between for him. Um, like today, I'm pretty sure he gave up like seven or eight earned runs in four-plus innings. Um, but that's anyway. Tough sell to a team that's trying to I know. <laughs> I know. If you're, if you're trying if, – if, if they had plans of selling him, he really shouldn't have started today. Because this is this is not good. I bet there are a ton of scouts up in the seats uh, behind home plate that are like, okay, I don't think we're going out for this guy. But yeah, I, I think <laughs> it, yeah, you're probably right in that nine times out of ten, you're not selling a guy and getting someone that's an immediate impact in return. But I think you at least have to try. And even if we end up getting rid of Bauer for some great prospects, fine. You know, I know the Angels are. I, I read recently that they're in for um, for starting pitching, and if if they want to trade us Joe Adele for Trevor Bauer, uh, go ahead because that's that's a great great return on <laughs> investment. Um, but yeah, that's that's a pipe dream. But y you know what I'm saying? There, there's. If we're going to get prospects back and not immediate impact players, they better be some damn good prospects. Anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? I do have a few things that I want to ask you. Go ahead. Um, things that have been a hot topic for a while and seem to be heating up recently. Um, the you know a lot of changes in baseball. Uh, coming up, we we talked about we we haven't talked about it. We um, but people are talking about this juiced baseball. Major League Baseball says they haven't done it, but statistics pretty much show that the the ball is definitely different. I don't want to get into that. One change though that is coming up, or or people are talking about, is the automated strike zone, the robot umpires. Yeah, uh, I'm curious if you've thought about that much, if you've researched it, or, or what your your thoughts are there on. on automated umpires i understand why fans would want it i totally get it but to me 
personal preference, I wouldn't want it just because it to to me it's it's just part of the game. Like the umpire makes mistakes the same way that the players make mistakes, and yes, you do want to eliminate those, but to a point because I think when you you start putting robots in the game, you know, where do you draw the line? At what point are the players just robots? You know what I mean? And I get that's a big jump to make, but uh, to me, it's just the human error, the human element. It's kind of what makes the game for me. See, I, I disagree with you. I've gone back and forth on this one too, but I've settled at this. In baseball and in pretty much every sport, you have very defined rules, right? You have uh, a foul ball and a fair ball. You know what's what. If it hits the line, it's fair. If it doesn't, it's foul. If it hits the pole, it's fair. If it doesn't, it's foul. There's no in-between. There's no there's no messing up. It, it, it is what it is. Right. Um, if, if a guy is tagged before he hits the plate, he's out. If not, he's safe. Okay. And those can be reviewed. And now I know that if, if someone uses their challenge, they lose and they, they don't get to use one later and the umpire can still be wrong there. I get that. But here's the deal with the strike zone. Why are, why would we allow one umpire to have one strike zone and then another one to have a different one? Like why, why do players have to adjust? Um, I, I don't, the, the thing that scares me the most is Say we're in Game Seven of the World Series, bases loaded, three-two count. Um, you know your favorite team, your your Tigers are at bat. They're down by one, uh, desperately need a run. Otherwise, the game's over. It's the bottom of the ninth. And yeah. For me, for me, it's the Indians. And the ball is is outside. Doesn't hit the plate. Umpire calls a strike. Your guys out. Boom. Game over. Nothing I, you can do. I mean, at all. Yeah. You. I. I, I get it. That's, I can't imagine my team like. But the rule is the ball, the if the ball doesn't hit the plate, it's a ball. But an umpire can mess that up and no one no one can do anything about it. I, I don't like that. I don't think, you know, if if we can change, things are changing constantly. Baseball is changing their rules. Um, you know, minor, they're experimenting with some things in, in the minor leagues, like all this different stuff. They, they've got they've got to automate this this rule. So I was a pitcher, right? And to me... It was it, pitching was always more of an art than a science. So I think that's why I tend to prefer a human umpire, just because it's it's the art of going out there every fifth day, trying to figure out what you have working, what you want to throw to the other team, so that they're thrown off their game. You know collaborating with your catcher and then also the umpire it's just it's always been that magical blend of that's why a perfect game is so special because so many things need to go right on that day so many times over and over that it's just it's that's why it's so rare and i think when you when you start uh, when you take the gray area out of the game, you take a lot of the fun out of it for me, at least. And again, I totally understand why people would want every call to be right. But I would just say, you know, that's sometimes just the way the game is. It's not fair. Baseball in a lot of ways 
is just life and not always the rules are not always followed yeah see i'm i'm just not a fan of that i think (laughs) that's unacceptable to you well well, pitching can still be an art um even if the strike zone is the strike zone even if there's no variance you're making it more of a science Nah, but, but guys still have to literally to to make an art reference, paint the corners. You know, you 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 can still fool guys by changing up speeds, by you know, putting some spin on the ball, by working inside, working outside, changing eye level, etc. There's so much you can still do to make it an art form rather than like, oh, the umpire is wrong often on these outside calls, so I'm just gonna fool the batter by throwing it in the zone that's actually a ball but i know the umpire is going to call a strike like that's that's not art that's just slimy no that's that's street art <laughs> street art i guess that's fair i guess that's fair but that's illegal too so um yeah that's cool man that, that was just a, a hot topic and i'm sure there are many more we can discuss as things go forward um but yeah that's that's all i had okay great well again Ev, thanks for joining me. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we could do this little trade deadline walkthrough. Um, just, you know, kind of get back on the mics, see how it feels, iron some things out. And what do you say? A couple weeks we pick back up and full steam ahead into the playoffs? Yep, absolutely. All and, right. and like Mitch Mitch said before, send in your questions to the, the email address and tweet at us let us know yes what, what you want to hear and what you want us to discuss because uh there are a ton of topics that, that we can get into at ducks on the pod on facebook twitter i believe instagram i'll double check and let everybody know ducks on the pod at gmail.com i'm mitch gatsky he's evan skilleter this has been ducks on the pod a little trade deadline preview special Thanks so much for joining us. See you again in a couple weeks. We'll be back full time. Until next time, keep your glove on the dirt, your bat off your shoulder, and always keep your eye on the ball.